0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Bug Eyes Rock Pop Rambles. I'm Angela from the band Bug Eye, and this week I've got da, 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 Gracie Two Keys.
1: Woo! Her Hi, two. Angela
0: how you doing it's been it's been a few weeks oh, i know i was thinking that the, the other show. day
2: i was i'm really excited for today
0: i know i've missed i've missed you i've got so bored of doing the show with kerry oh tell me about it although she does make me feel like a comedian i've mentioned it before because she just laughs, at anything. <laughs> so it's, it's great it's great Bit boosts my ego yeah i can imagine that and also my uh you know catalogue of of crap jokes so, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure it's a good thing for anyone to hear that. But anyway, um, this week we have got an extra special guest. Not that the other guests haven't been special, but this is, this is someone we've been wanting to have on the show for quite some time. And finally, 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 we have her all to ourselves. Because um, <laughs> if that didn't sound creepy. Uh, anyway, yes, so we have... Former CEO of the British Academy of Songwriters, Composers and Authors, now a PhD researcher into women's careers in the music industry, and creator of the F List. Yes, it is Vic Bain. Go Vic! <laughs> I, I Thanks for I, having me on. You are most welcome. I feel really shy. I feel like we've we've got to do like a professional show. I've I've got I've got my notes and uh... so on today's show, uh we're gonna be talking about obviously women in music I think the guest is is a big big giveaway of that we're not going to be focusing on Bon Jovi or or any anyone like that on today's show uh, but we're gonna we're gonna be looking at women in music but particularly women in the festival sort of scene of things so Grace is going to tell a story about who? Skunk Nancy and more, spe- more
2: specifically the singer skin Ah right, okay. And she headlined. She's headlined
0: festival, isn't she?
2: Yes, she headlined Glastonbury in nineteen ninety nine.
0: Fantastic. And I'm going to be talking about. Um, oh my god! Like I can't believe it. I've got notes right in my hand, and then suddenly the words just disappear from from my mouth. I'm going to be talking about St. Vincent, who I think is absolutely incredible, as as you know, Grace. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just the fact that she's, I suppose. She's someone that I think is absolutely deserving to headline every festival on the planet, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, just just one of the many, many women. And obviously we have, we have Vic on the show, who we're going to be discussing some of the work that she's been doing around that, particularly with the F-list. So I suppose, uh, oh, oh, really important thing as well new music wise who are you gonna play this week grace i'm gonna play a band
2: called skinny girl diet who you apparently have just told me you played with once which i'm really every time you
0: come on the show with a band i say exactly the same thing i should just edit the sentence and just drop it in later just change the band name played with them at the lady luck bar and they were brilliant um yeah it was packed it was packed for them of course it was They're, they're absolutely awesome uh, this week I'm going to be playing um, new music from a band called Dead Pony, and I'm going to be playing their song "Sharp Tongues." And I literally, literally, literally discovered this song probably about an hour and a half ago. Yeah, I, I've got I've got a list of people that I'm, g- I'm going to play on our shows, but um, you know when you just hear something, you go, "Oh, no!" I've got, I've got, it's only just been released. <gasps> oh my god, I'm really current for once, so <laughs> I'm gonna gonna play it. But um, okay i i mean i think i think we have to discuss this vic where are you right now i think you need to to
1: say oh i'm on i'm on a boat um uh, i'm just off the coast of uh northwest spain wow actually, actually so um but i'm yes i'm on a boat um hold up in a the marina there's a there's a big storm passing passing over. But I've been working, working in the um, in the cabin all, de- all day, doing presentations and workshops, and um, yeah, basically keeping keeping on top of my work. So it's sort of like a working, a work and a holiday as well.
0: If you're going to isolate, get on a boat on your own, go into the middle of the sea,
1: and just 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 wait it out. We've got <laughs> we've got food on board for months, so if we yeah if we have to do proper proper quarantine, we'll be we'll be just fine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, that's so cool! I'm really jealous. I'm really jealous. i I've. I've been sweating it out in in Croydon for the uh, hot days, and just dipping dipping my feet into Beth's uh, turtle paddling pool in the garden, and that's as exciting as it's got. Anyway, I think should we should we kick off Grace of your story before um before Vic turns into to like shipwreck or something like like that? Is it no? What's it called? Castaway. Talk yeah,
2: on, that's the one.
0: Yeah, the football. Wilson. <laughs> I told you, we can't I just can't start the show without just uh, going off on a tangent. Okay, Skunk and Nancy, hit us with it, Grace. Go, go on, on then,
2: I'm going to go, right, you're going to have to tell me when to shut up, because I've made loads of oh, notes here, and I'm worried it might be a, rude, it, though, be a bit too long. So just literally just say, you know, that's enough now. <laughs> right, so I, I,
1: I assume you've heard of them, Angela. Oh no,
0: yes, I have, yeah
1: course you have Vic. Yes, absolutely. I've I've met I've met Skin actually at um I sat with her at the Women of Music Awards a couple of years ago and oh, she's amazing. she's just stunning.
2: Yeah she's just it's just a, a brilliant all round person. Um I can't believe that. Yeah but anyway so Skunk and Ansi formed in 1994 Um so a real mix of race, gender, sexuality, musical influences Especially at the time when, like, Britpop was brewing, which was obviously very white and masculinised. So, yeah, so um, so she was actually the first black female to headline Glastonbury in 1999.
0: Well, she, I thought, I thought it was... Beyonce, well, obviously it's not Beyonce then, is it? See, that's... This
2: is, this is what I was going to say. So last year, um, Stormzy obviously headlined Glastonbury, didn't he? Um, and he wrote a tweet claiming that he was the first black British artist to headline... And then Skin like respectfully disputed it on Instagram, and she said, "Actually, it was it was me." Um, and a few years before that, I think it was two thousand and eleven. Beyonce headlined, and she also claimed that she was the first Black British female to headline. But it was neither of them. It was actually it was actually uh, Skin.
0: Uh, I, I, honestly, I really didn't know that.
2: No, well, I only really got into them after I saw Stormzy's tweet, and I saw Skin's response on it. I think it was on Instagram. And I'd I'd heard of them, and I knew who they were, but I wasn't really into their music. But that's when I first really started to appreciate them for how good they really, really were.
0: You need to see them live, Grace. Oh, God, yeah. Incredible, really incredible. I saw saw them at um, Brixton Academy, but I also saw them play at... um, There was this gay club called Pop Stars, and it was at the Scala in King's Cross, which is only, like... I mean, God, it's about four or 500 capacity... And sometimes they would just have a band that rocked up and played, and you didn't really know who was going to be there. And it was Skunk Nancy that came and played. It was it was amazing. So lucky to have seen that show.
2: Yeah. Well, I've been watching. Um, I've been watching. I've been watching live footage of them at Glastonbury all afternoon, and just thinking, like, I wish, I wish I could have been there. It just looks so good. Um, so, do you know much about her life? No, I don't. I don't. I don't. How, how about you, Vic? Have you ever seen any? Yeah. I
1: mean, just. I have I have seen in yeah it's some some basic inf- information. I'm uh, you know I mean I think I think she's fantastic, but I don't uh, yeah I don't know I don't know her full catalogue of anything. But uh, are you gonna are you gonna give us some more some more facts about her her and her I'll, life? I hope so I hope so
2: <laughs> I hope that's what they are, um, but yeah. So I, I've I've spent hours on this because I just became obsessed. She's one of my new heroes. Um, so she is actually a really interesting person. So her family came over as part of the Windrush generation. So she grew up in Brixton in the seventies and apparently her granddad used to own a Shabine, which is, do you know what that, do you know what that is, Angela? Have you heard have of that no before? Idea. So it's an unlicensed club, basically, uh, because, oh, okay. so he, he owned one in Brixton um, because young black guys couldn't get into clubs, basically. So the only alternative was to own an unlicensed club um, and they sort of wanted to listen to reggae and drink drink rum. So her granddad ran this place and apparently it was one of the most famous ones in Brixton at that time. So he's got pictures of like Muhammad Ali and Bob Marley and stuff at the club. I haven't seen them, but apparently they exist. Um, So she talks about as a young child how she used to sneak into the club in the day when she was like not even 13 at this point. Um, So music was like a really big part of her life growing up. Um, But her family were really working class, so she couldn't actually afford to go to gigs when she got a bit older. But there was apparently, there was a scheme in Brixton at the time where black people could get theatre tickets for a pound because they wanted to encourage their participation in the arts and culture. So she ended up going to the theatre quite a lot. And she talks about how this was um, a big influence on her, more so than live music um
0: yeah because she is a great performer isn't she i mean she's oh she's she's fantastic just the amount of energy and just the kind of sheer power of her performance well
2: apparently she had really terrible stage fright for a really long time which you would from the from the videos i've seen you just would never know that so she went to university and that's when she started playing in bands but in the early days apparently she used to sing jazz um, and in an interview with Kerrang, she talks about while she was while she was really getting into music at this time, she used to have loads of dreams about her getting on stage and screaming and shouting. And she felt like jazz wasn't her thing, but she didn't yeah. quite understand what her thing was. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting. I'll send the link to this Kerrang interview on YouTube because she talks about her identity as a black woman and how it took a while for for her to like decide that it was okay for her to be on a stage shouting and screaming because all of her idols
0: mm-hmm.
2: were white guys playing guitar. Like, you know, Thin yeah. Lizzy, Motorhead, Nirvana, Rage Against the Machine, bands like that. She didn't have a black woman screaming on stage that she could look up to. So it yeah. actually took a, quite a while for her to sort of find that sound. Um, so... Then she started hanging out, I think it was around the time she was at university, um, at a venue in King's Cross called
0: the Splash Club. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've heard, I've heard of it, yeah. Because
2: I hadn't really heard of it, um, and apparently there was a real underground scene there in the 90s, um, which was sort of basically the alternative to the Britpop stuff that was going on. Yeah. Um, so I think it'd be really interesting to look into that scene and what bands came out of that, because I don't really know of any, do you?
0: I mean, it was just before, I mean, I wasn't old enough to have ever have gone out at that. So it was just before I would have been going to stuff like that. And I, by that point, a few years later, it was more sort of all of this kind of Britpop, indie, indie stuff. But it was sort of, you know, quite a legendary club. So I'd heard of it. Just, um, yeah.
2: Yeah, I'd never heard of it. So, Yeah. I'm gonna try and look a bit more into
1: I'd not heard of it either, to be to, to be honest. I moved I moved to London in early early nineteen ninety seven, uh and went to went to lots of the clubs there. But I, I mean I heard I heard of Skunk and Nancy in the in, in the nineties, um mm. obviously, but I'd, yeah, I didn't I didn't know um about that club. So that was sort of like what hard rock hard rock I indie so. music. I guess so, yeah. yeah. I mean,
2: because th- that venue was really important, I think, for those types of bands. Um, because they... So th- that's where they formed, um, and that's where they had their first gig. Um, and then they, they had their sic- second gig there as well, actually, um, about a year or so after they... I think it was about a year or so after they formed. And it was on the day that Kurt Cobain died. And apparently the A&R guy that saw them that night He wasn't going to go out because he was so devastated by the news. Like apparently he was like the biggest Nirvana fan ever. But he decided to go out anyway. And he saw them and he said, I have to sign this band because if anything can make me feel better after this, then it must be amazing. I thought that was really nice.
0: I love stories like that. It's just so nice. I
2: thought that was brilliant. So yeah, so this Splash Club was a really important venue for them. Um, So yeah, at this time, Britpop was huge. So Britpop... I mean, obviously, I know about brick pop bands. Where where did it originate?
0: Well, it was kind of early 90s, wasn't it? where It started out and it um, it was kind of, so you had the kind of East London sort of scene that would do. And there was bands from all over the place, really, but it was like arts colleges and stuff like that. So you had Damon Albarn, and, you know, um, oh, my God, what's his name? How can I have forgotten his name? I was literally just talking about him last night. Graham Coxon, that's it. Like, they met in New Cross, um, and there was a studio that was in, like, yeah, but Damon was from Essex, and I don't know, it was a real sort of working-class kind of scene music, I suppose. Um interesting you say that,
2: because Skin says the opposite. She said mm. that she thought that a lot of the Britpop bands were really sort of quite
1: posh and very she she described them as quite well I think Damon Aldburn was quite, was quite posh he they was, just they just pretend to be working class yes I suppose I, suppose so. I think Damon, Damon Aldburn and, and 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 just justine from Elastica and all of that crowd yeah. they were they were pretty posh
0: but I, I think suppose, they had yeah. this
1: you know this, this authenticity I think they were they were appropriating the working the working classes. I'd say it yeah. was more the Manchester, the Manchester bands in the nineties who were who were gen, who were genuinely working yeah. working class.
2: Yeah, well she took cause she talks about how um Skunk and Nancy were like the self described like antidote to Brit because yeah. she sort of sees herself like that she thinks that they were really posh and well to do, but the her her style was more working class, authentically working class, basically. And she thought that they, as a band, represented the mishmash of people that were in London at the time. Well, she talks about this. She she says that it became bloated, essentially, and there was more and more of the same-looking bands doing the same thing with the same styles. It got really boring, stale, really quickly. And they, at first, desperately sort of wanted to fit into that because it was being marketed in America in a certain way, and they didn't fit into that. And they were really sort of jealous of the fact that they were getting all these, you know, gigs in America and appearances on TV. And, sh- and then eventually they just decided, we're never going to fit that. So let's just do our own thing. Apparently, um, Damon Albun really hated them. Really? Yeah, they used to do interviews. And the, one of the first things that uh, the, inter- the interviewer would say to them is, oh, Damon Albun really hates you, doesn't he? And they'd be like,
0: does he? We don't, I don't- so I don't know what happened there. They yeah. don't, they don't oh, really does, know does why. It, yeah how how true a lot of that stuff is or if it's just PR and I don't know what do you think Vic
1: yeah I think a lot of it's a lot of it's just PR you know they say I mean even even bad news is good news in in yeah. uh, in the music industry isn't it you know so yeah I think it's totally I think a lot of, a lot of that is manufactured
2: yeah. yeah I reckon so too yeah like the Gallagher Brothers and all their like fallouts is just yeah so anyway, they um so between 95 and 99 they released a string of hit singles. You both probably know what most of them are. Little Baby Swastika, Selling Jesus, Weak. I think Hedonism was their biggest hit, wasn't it? Or the one that most people know if they haven't
0: necessarily think, heard of. I think them. Weak was probably the I, I I don't know. I don't know for me, for me that's that was the the big one that I remember, but I I don't know maybe. And then there was I Can Dream, Charlie oh, yeah. big Potato, that
2: was a big one as that well. That was yeah. Um, and they released three albums during that time as well, all critically acclaimed. So it was in 1995, they opened the second stage at Glastonbury, which nearly didn't happen because three members of the band were held up in
0: traffic. A bit like when we played Birmingham. That was a stressful night, wasn't it? That was, that was very stressful. I really, really needed to go to the toilet and I was stuck in traffic on a motorway. Yeah, it was not not a good a good day for me. So um, yeah,
2: so they were getting pretty big at this point, um, mid to late nineties. So Skin talks a lot in interviews about how a working class mentality like stayed with her even throughout this time. Mm -hmm. And she didn't actually realize how successful they were until they were asked to headline Glastonbury in 99. Like it came as a really big shock to her. Um, because apparently in those days it took a long time for you to see the money from your single, uh, from your releases. Yeah. So she didn't act she, financially, she didn't necessarily feel like a situation was that different. So it yeah. came as this really big shock to her. Um, but yeah, the, anyone, everyone needs to watch the footage on YouTube if you weren't there, because it's just, it's amazing. And all the comments as well, I was reading them earlier and there's so many comments like, they're the most underrated rock band ever. She's one of the best voices in pop music. They mm-hmm. should have been huge. And it makes you think like, they absolutely deserve the spot. They're such a good band live. And yeah. there's loads of people, I mean, people who are into music know who they are. Yeah, But a lot of my fr- I was asking a lot of my friends earlier who aren't necessarily into music in the same way that I am, They they didn't know who they were or who she was and it makes you wonder that you know her gender and the colour of her skin like would would things have been different
0: well well exactly because at the time um and it's almost like you know the the rewriting of history because at the time they were huge they were a massive band they were one of the biggest bands around at that time um and and now i just think it's such a shame that you know i mean it's it's great that you've you've just discovered them but you know it to me it sort of makes me feel uneasy with the fact that you know a band as big as that from not that long ago um is kind of being forgotten um and and yeah the composers that we were talking about it's they get forgotten they have them and
1: then they're not written into the history are they no well i think i think it's particularly dire if um you know if if acts which are following her, I mean, Beyonce, I can sort of understand because she's for him to not to not have known or not realised that um, Skunk skunk and Nancy had, had, had headlined Glastonbury before him, you know, for him to not know that actually yeah. is a pretty, it's a pretty big um, uh, message female artists, and, and especially how black female artists are are, are remembered, you know, because that, uh, yeah, she should, she should, she should have a, have a place in history for that, and that should be written, written about more, you know, the yeah. gate, the gatekeepers of the, of the, of the, of the, of the sort of the, the catalogue, you know, who does, who decides who's, who's worthy of being in the music catalogue, well, she should, she should have a, have a, have a secure place in in that and I wonder I wonder whether she does the history you know the history of rock rock bands in, in in Britain and so on
2: well we did a module at uni about um the 90s and I don't remember them being mentioned um so yeah I, com- I completely agree um and she was in there were in a an article the BBC did about like seven bands or something you didn't know headlined a festival or Glastonbury or something I was like Oh, the more i started looking into them i was like they were huge how can i not have known more about as someone who really lo- like loves music how could i not have known more about them it just it seems mad to me
1: yeah but then it requires it requires lots of um well yeah lots of lots of placement doesn't it in, in 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 books in magazines on websites and blogs that mm-hmm. uh, you know it's it sort of requires that um that written that written record that history to be to be to be carried on mm-hmm. so uh you know perhaps um you know because because she is a woman and a black woman that uh she's been sidelined some, somewhat in the history the history of all of these bands yeah absolutely
2: i mean they were really, they were really respected in the industry like bowie was a huge fan they did gigs with him he covered one of their songs the Prodigy sampled their tracks. They toured with U2. She had voice training with Pavarotti, apparently. Um, she was really close with Lemmy. She sung at Nelson Mandela's 80th birthday party with Nina Simone, um, Stevie Wonder. Um, and that apparently Skunk and Nancy were one of the first multiracial bands to play in South Africa post-apartheid. So they were a really, really, really important band. Um, and they toured, they toured with the Sex Pistols at one point in Australia as well, I think. Um, there's a good interview with her on that actually, and some of the racial abuse that she got on stage, um, which is difficult. To, but it's you know it's it's a part of you know, her experience, and yeah, it was awful. It's awful. Um, but yeah, I've got all that all the links to all those, so I'll send them over, Angela. So oh, yeah, cool. um, just, yeah, she's just really interesting person. Black gay working class woman, really unap- unapologetic about who she is. Had this remarkable career. Even like when Stormzy tweeted about um, him being the first black headliner, she was like really nice about it. Do you know what I mean? She's she's really down to earth, And she said something like, oh, it's not his fault. He just didn't know. I'm sure that's just what he's been told. I think that says a lot
0: about her as a person as well. Yeah. So, yeah, she's one of my new musical heroes. Oh, I'm really pleased that you've dis- discovered her. I want to say, oh, I'll lend you her albums, but you can just stream it, yeah just kind of takes the joy out of discovering music sometimes the streaming thing want to lend people albums and do mixtapes tapes again <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's my story skunk and Nancy. so do you want to play um your new music discovery yes i
2: do so skinny girl diet who you've played with that i'm really jealous about um so riot girl band from london i think they formed in like was it like two thousand eleven, two thousand and twelve, or something? They've been around for a while, I think. Um, but they, yeah. So they used to be in a band called Typical Girls, actually, uh, which is obviously a reference to the Slip's track. And yeah. I think one of their first gigs, if not their first gig, was was an opener for Viv Albertine, wasn't it?
0: I have no idea, really.
2: Yeah, I think I know? think I think I read that online somewhere. Yeah, which is really cool. Obviously. Um, so yeah, this is the song I'm going to play is called Wolfpack and it's from, um, an album called Heavy Flow. Have you heard that one? Yes. It's, it's such a good album. Like I didn't know which, I didn't know which song to pick. Um, but I love this one cause the screaming and the chaotic ending. <laughs> so yeah, so this is called Wolfpack
1: from Heavy Flow.
0: So that was Wolfpack by the awesome Skinny Girl Diet. Okay, we do have an amazing guest with us. Vic Bain has joined us on the show um, this week and hopefully she's not regretting it. Um, But yeah, I I mean, you've you've had a fantastic career, Vic, and you're doing amazing things for women in music. And I just wondered if you'd enlighten our listeners to, to what the F list is.
1: The F List. So the F List is, um, it's the directory of UK female musicians. And it came out of research that I did last year. So last year I produced um, a 50 page report doing a gender audit of over 300 UK record labels and music publishing companies. And I looked, I looked at the percentage of women signed to um, various, various genre record labels and publishing companies. And um, uh, just you know, so for, the, for, for, for those listeners who haven't read it, the statistics are not looking good for, for, for women uh, was the overall um, finding there. But in, in, in the midst of doing this, all of, uh, of, of these hun- hundreds of labels and publishing companies, I realized that um, I had a record of lots and lots of female musicians. Mm -hmm. So when um, when all of the tweets started in in January this this year, you know, as they do every year, all of the festivals announced summer lineups and invariably you know uh, a conversation starts about well where where are the women on those on those lineups especially especially with the you know the fantastic visuals you get with all of the women stripped um so all of the men stripped out of the lineups and then there's like one or two women women left and lots of people sort of um uh you know very helpfully say well i know a woman i know i know a female musician here's a here's a name or here's two names or three names uh you know, as if that will, will sort of solve the problem and I thought, gosh, I haven't I haven't um uh, just got two or two, two or three names on this in you know in this research, I've probably got thousands. So I I extracted um the names that I could I identify out of all of all or, 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 you know all of this research. And I've so I've got the F list is now has now got about three and a half thousand solo musicians and over a thousand bands with with women in them. And um, and there's also I've got um, uh, lots of composers and song songwriters, about a thousand of those as well. So, um, you know, so it's a fairly comprehensive list. <laughs> That yeah. um, that you can you can go on and you can search um, you can search by genre you can search by record label you can you can you can look for 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 names so uh, you know I really uh, I wanted to sort of gift give that to the to the world to the music mm. industry so that anyone who who said oh well you know we haven't got any women playing at this festival because we asked them all which Mm I've 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 read newspaper interviews people actually say that promoters say that I've asked them all oh there's just not enough there's just not enough women and bands and blah 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 there's absolutely no excuse because I'm sorry there are thousands of really you know qualified excellent female musicians out there and Mm -hmm. and here is where, where you find them all I think I think it's
0: absolutely incredible. And you're right, like the comments that, that, that come out, I mean, what what did I hear when I was organising a festival that, you know, there were there were people that thought I was crazy trying to do a gender balanced festival and they're saying, you know, if you put you know okay, well, you know, if if there's a band that's gonna headline, it'd be a bit risky to put like a female artist headlining because it's just off putting and, and people don't take it seriously and you won't sell tickets. Um you know lots of comments like that from people which was absolutely ridiculous and you know to cut a long story short obviously the festival sold out and that was not an issue at all um for for our festival and shouldn't be for anyone's festival it's just ridiculous but also just things like um there just seems to be a lack of awareness between promoters with saying things like you know oh well you know there's only that there are some some big female artists, but you'd need to have a big one to headline the likes of Reading, which you know this this episode's going out the week that that Reading and Leeds Festival would would have taken place, which is you know the famous poster with hardly any women on, and you know there are comments about you know well those huge artists don't exist. There's a lot of small bands with females in, but not. Big artists that you know sell millions of records that deserve to be in that that kind of top position. Um, I mean, what what do you say to to? I mean, words words fail me. To, you know, you start reading off a list to people, but you know, have, have you faced like questions like statements like that with doing this list?
1: Yes, I've, uh, I've you know, I've, um, well, I've faced a lot of uh, a lot of that that sort of push yeah. pushback you know, I, uh, you know, I've been told that, um, well, audiences just want to listen to male acts, you know, this is just, it's just a commercial thing. It's about who will sell tickets and blah, blah, blah. But I think it's, you know, it's all, it's all linked in. And I've sort of written, written about how, you know, with festival lineups, it's what I call a pipeline problem. So Mm. the, you know, the big, the big uh, festival bookers and promoters will uh, will work with certain agents and, and those yeah. agents will work with certain record labels. And the fact the fact is, is that less than 20% of signed artists to to current UK labels are, are, are female. So 80% mm. of rosters on record labels in the UK, 80% are male. So you know, so only so only twenty percent of the artists that the labels are investing in, in yeah. talent development and all of yeah. this sort of thing, which they should be doing, um, are, 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 are women. So that that sort of pipeline, these big festivals are only mm. seeing that pool, where, yeah. whereas in in fact, you know, I think they need to they need to l- start looking a bit more imaginatively and 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 look out look outside that that pool, look outside that um, that. That pool of signed signed artists as well, because I know I know just so many fantastic female bands and artists who either can't can 't get signed mm. by labels because they 're told oh, we 've already got a woman a woman on our roster or yeah. or, or we 've already got a girl band on our roster um, you know so they can 't get signed or they don 't want to get signed actually and they're really they 're really happy having a having a, a sort of D, D, DIY career. So mm. I think, but yeah, festivals definitely have to start looking a bit more Im- Im- imaginatively, um, and not just not just with their with their usual network because it's just the usual mm. just the old boys network. So you say you see we're seeing the same you know the the, the same people who were um, who were booked to play in Reading Reading and and, and Leeds this this year. And by the way, when I did an analysis in January of the of the um, the three biggest stages. Mm. Um, um, that had been announced in January it was only thirteen percent of the of the musicians on stage were female, just thirteen, which was less than last year so we 're going backwards and then you look at the you look at the the, the names of the headliners of mm. um, uh, of these festivals and it's and it was the same twenty years ago it 's the same bands the same you know the same the same few few male groups who 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 get prioritized and i just think it shows a real real lack of imagination but i also think there's a there's a sort of a a lash lash you know pushback starting to happen because women are getting wise to this now you know young young female music fans who want to go to these festivals are seeing these all male male lineups and and really starting to complain about it Uh, I mean, unfortunately, you know, I was really hoping that um, COVID, what a tragedy it's been for festivals this year and, you know, the few, the few music um, events and festivals that are uh, managing, managing to go ahead with some, you know, social distancing guidelines uh, are also um, lineups that I've seen are are, are just, are just really, really dire. (laughs) actually when i'm looking um uh, there's um a festival that's going on in the northeast right now from s s d concerts yeah. uh the tomorrow festival mm-hmm. less than ten percent uh, of that lineup uh, um of uh, of female artists less than less than ten percent and i think that's just absolutely not good, not good enough. In yeah. uh, you know, we've just had a summer of you know, Black Lives Matter and all of this, and yeah. people should be really tuned in now to to you know demanding and and expecting to see diverse lineups at their festivals. And the fact the fact is, it's just the same the same few um uh, white white guys who are being yeah. booked time and time again and i just think it's unacceptable an, an and it's boring yeah well,
2: i i really really struggle with the whole we're just trying to give people what they want argument because i think you're in a position to actually shape people's taste because there have been so many bands that i've like stumbled on at festivals for example that i perhaps would never have been exposed to in a, you, you know it had I not. So happen to wander into a tent or something. So it, they're, they're in a position of power to, like, shape people's tastes uh-huh. and, you know, and, attract and- people want and it, I find it really irritating. To,
0: to inspire people, right? So I'm reading um, Viv Albertine's um, memoir at the moment, and, you know, she talks about when she was younger, it never dawned on her that she could be in a band, and it wasn't until she was at, um, I think it was Dingwalls, and she was working there and a band came on stage and there was a couple of female musicians in there and she was absolutely blown away because suddenly it dawned on her, oh my God, I could be a musician, I could be in a band. And before that, it just hadn't occurred to her because she'd never seen it. So this is the importance of it. If you don't see diversity, if you don't see something you relate to on stage, then, you know, yes, there are brave people that that, that kind of try to 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 not conform to things and go out there and find their own way but for the masses of people we kind of mirror what we see if that makes sense and if and if women aren't represented fairly in in this in this way I just think I think it's so sad just think of so many people that, that could have been inspired to to be in this industry that that perhaps aren't getting that that message through that they they could be there that they deserve to be on those those stages and that's my rant over sorry
1: <laughs> i was just gonna say i think there's an awful lot of music uh you know that we haven't heard that yeah. we haven't sung you know great songs and great albums that uh uh you know maybe never got made or or if it, they got made they didn't get market marketed pro- properly you know so uh, i mean i just think it's uh it just it just makes it just makes more more sense, doesn't it? Creatively, yeah. creatively, musically, to mm-hmm. um, to have you, you know a, a, a variety, a real diverse mix of mix of people. I think that's you know the best the best music genres. I think in the UK over the past fifty years have come about mm. have come about through a mix a mix of cultures and genres. Yeah, and uh, you know if we're just if we're just seeing the same homogenous you know young young white guy with a guitar up on, up on stage time and time and time again i'm so that just you know that does nothing for me and uh i yeah i think i think i think we're doing music fans a disservice i think i think it kind of paves the
0: way you know i, th- I think you know like of the music industry and changes with okay things are still pretty much you know there is still a lot of control with the major labels but we've seen the number of major labels reduce over time and you know a lot of smaller labels kind of trying to break through and actually succeeding in breaking through and i think that's the same thing that's happening with festivals there are more and more festivals that are being created and okay they might not be the size of the kind of mega festivals that we see out there but but at some point they will be you know indie tracks is is a fantastic festival that that really does um push the sort of diversity in Issues forward with their their bill and they're they're very you know on the way to being completely balanced and um, they've got a fantastic mix of artists that they that they have and that's that's one of a few but you know it's one of the, the the smaller festivals rather than the the big huge daddy festivals that should really be leading the way on this but you know perhaps it, it does take a kind of rebel uprising to. To change things and people just creating their own industry and and making these things happen rather than waiting for the likes of um, Live Nation to um, to actually make this uh, top of their agenda to to do. I mean they own a, a share in most of
1: the large festivals I think. So yeah. Yeah. Well, it was it was just very very interesting to me seeing all of the music companies come you know come out with their their Black Lives Matter state statements over over the summer, you know really yeah. committing to um you know to support to supporting black musicians and uh, you know and acknowledging diversity, and uh, you know I don't think it's it should be too much of a leap for them to sort of look around and uh, and look at look at women as well um yeah uh, and you know and except that they have to do they have to do more to get to get diverse lineups so I, yeah i think i think you know orga- organising a festival in this day and age especially mm. right now organising organising a festival and putting and having less than 10 percent of the musicians on stage being female i it shouldn't you know it shouldn't be allowed <laughs> Even with the equality legislation, or something you know you have got, yeah. yeah, got to yeah we got to we got to we got to make a noise a noise about that and that's uh, that's
0: actually a very fair point about the equalities act yeah yeah just you know in in the workplace you wouldn't you wouldn't get away with um, certain things but why do we allow it to be in in the entertainment sector for music to be so it's just it's a exactly.
2: as well isn't it you've got to get these you know women. Um, fame people at the, at the top because they're the one, you know, then they're in the position to make these decisions.
1: It's yeah, yeah. I think that's that's absolutely right. Uh, and I just just want to say as well about about the F list, um, mm-hmm. y- you know, which I'm really uh, a lot of my, a lot of my research. I I feel like I'm sort of you know I'm the bearer of bad news all of the all of the time because I, you know, I'm sort of un- unearthing these statistics which are which are quite quite dismal really. But the F list, I really wanted that to be a very positive um, uh, initiative, you know, and something something that the record labels and the festivals and promoters could really could really embrace so i've spent i've spent the summer in lockdown rebuilding the website yeah um so it's going to be it's going to be relaunched in october it's on a beautiful wordpress directory website every single band or um female musician on it would be able to claim their listing and then they get a whole they get a whole page where they can upload their music and and socials and photos and that's incredible, and, and, you know, awesome. biography and and, and that's so good and cool. contact information, all of that sort of thing.
0: So well, so all- yeah, so
1: look out look out for that. That will be announced in. It'll be, sorry. No, sorry. Carry on, Vic. <laughs> connection. Issue. Sorry Grace, what did you
2: say? No, I was just going to say as it is now it's so easy to navigate and it's brilliant so God knows what it's going to be like. Yeah. You know, I mean I remember being filled with excitement when I first saw it. I
1: was like this is exactly it, what I'm it, it's like. Yeah well the, so the search facility on it's fantastic so you'll be able to say look for a, a jazz composer who lives in Scotland or a or a um, you know, a grime DJ who lives in London. Uh, you, so you'll be able to to search, to search by genre, by instruments, by region, but you know, by 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 keyword, by all, sort, all sorts of things. So yeah, I'm really I'm I'm really very excited about that. And then not 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 only if, uh, if i um, been rebuilding the website, I've have formed a, um, a not for profit organisation, a community interest company behind it as well. So that's going to be that's going to be announced uh, at the same time in October, and we're going to do loads of initiatives that um, that enable women to um, more successfully sustain their music music careers. So we've got we've got partnerships with festivals um, uh, in the in the in the offering for, for for next year. We've got partnerships with recording studios. We're going to be offering um, you know free free. Um, training for female musicians uh, in all all sorts of a- areas. So we've got loads and loads of um, uh, ideas. So just I yeah, just want to let 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 your your listeners know that that's that's coming up in in October. I'm really I'm really excited about it.
0: That sounds amazing. That seriously sounds amazing. And just. You know, back back to even the the original version of the the F list. I think I think it was only ever a, a positive thing to highlight and someone to sort of be that voice that kind of pulls all of those female musicians together in a place to say, look at this. This is a very powerful thing. This isn't just, just throwing out a, a couple of names at at random. This is this is a real piece of work that you've spent a huge amount of time um, collecting all of this information together. And celebrating all of those women, those bands that have never had a look in that they're on this list, they're being recognised. They're part of something, and I think that's it's such an incredible thing. It really is. It's it's amazing. It's it's on, yeah.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank, you. Thank, thank thanks very much. And I'm really hoping it will develop. You know, and it will be a real a real community, so that all of yeah. you know all of the all of the women who are on the list will go. You know, will will. Um, Claim, claim, their listing, put all of their information up there, tell tell other people about it, uh, you know. Yeah. And then, and then we, we, you know, we really want to, to, be working with festivals and event promoters. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, when the first when the first um, uh, list was 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 published at the end of February, I mean, unfortunately, just before lockdown as well, but in that very short period, uh, you know, I had numerous festivals contact me and uh, and, and, you know, and ask for help, you know, they really wanted to in various genres as well it was really really interesting folk music, indie music, all sorts of genres yeah. and these you know these festival festival owners and promoters um, you know, really were genuinely wanting to, to book more women on their stages, yeah. you know, so they were, they were very pleasantly surprised to have this, to have this list to go, to go through. So i really, yeah, I really hope it makes a, makes a positive, positive difference and starts, yeah. you know, giving, giving promoters, you know, more, 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 more tools, more, more ideas for, you know, amazing, amazing talent that they can, they can have on those on, on their stages. So when, when
0: you were creating this, did you ever think it would lead on to this, you know, a, a kind of organisation that's there to kind of help women and educate women um, and, and support them in various ways and give them more opportunities? Is, is that, the, you know, was that something that was always in the plan or did this all develop as it's going along?
1: It, yeah, it's just been totally or, uh, organic, absolutely organic. You know, when I, when, I did, when I did the original research um last year i yeah i had no i had no idea that that um i would end up a year later i'd end up i would end up setting up a a national women women for musical not-for-profit organization based on yeah you know i would i had no idea so it's been a very organic um uh, natural natural progression uh you know i think it was the it was the realization in in january uh, when i was looking on twitter when i was looking at everybody um you know being rightly outraged by by all of the um the the planned festival line lineups and I just thought oh I've got this I've got this information I can really I can just make that public um you know so yeah it just all it just all happened very very naturally so I'm really yeah I'm really I'm really delighted actually to be to be be where where we are right now and um i hope and i hope we're in a a really fantastic place next year you know i hope that somehow we can we can get the music industry back on its feet some somehow and that and that women you know the campaigning that we're doing um start starts to give more more of a place for 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 women on festival stages fingers crossed so another another question just
0: because we do we do people's stories obviously on the show but just a question when you were a little girl what did you want to be when you grew up mm-hmm. um a vet <laughs> <laughs> so so how let let like, like, just just you know i suppose in you know how how did you get from from there to to where you are now? I su- I suppose like, what was the, the kind of process? Well, I well
1: I always loved music music and and singing. You, you know that was a really big uh, part part of my my childhood was singing singing in various you know school choirs and ch- church choirs and things. Um, and I st- and I studied uh, well. I didn't I didn't formally study music actually until I until I sort of left left school but I, I, I really I had a year out when I was 18 19 and, uh, and I was in various bands and things and I really yeah I really decided I wanted to, to 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 go back and study study music which I which I did um I mean it took me a long time I did the sort of you know the b-tech, b-tech um hnd degree degree so I spent six years mm-hmm. studying various aspects of music and, and, and performing arts and I it, I was a singer when I when i graduated i really you know i thought yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna be a musician so a lot of a lot of the barriers that i write about in my research are you know i really have personal personal experience of uh, of uh, of those barriers
0: mm-hmm. having
1: you know how difficult um challenges uh, i i would uh, i would express it as working working with other male musicians you know, mm-hmm. not being given proper credit uh, for you know for, for 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 what I was doing and yeah, and so, and so on. Um, so and then uh, I moved down to I moved down to London and I really wanted to work in the music industry. I sort of uh, you know I realized um, that yes, I loved I loved performing, that I, but I probably wasn't going to be able to earn enough enough money for that to be to be my my sole income. So I wanted to work in the industry somehow. Um, and things were sort of going well until talking about um, Glastonbury, 1999. It always makes me remember uh, uh, actually that I found I found myself that that summer um, I found myself pre- pregnant with twins, and and, uh, and then my, my partner left me. So that was a really um, big big turning point in my yeah. in my life because then I had to totally I had to totally start again. Uh, and build and build build things up again so when when they were little I um I retrained as a as a, a, a bookkeeper and doing financial management and uh, and then I set up I set up a business um, again it's just organic I didn't have any any sort of big big plan but uh, I set up a business. Doing financial management for small creative businesses, and I had some fantastic clients, uh, you, you know, all around Hoxton, all really, all really cool, sort of music and and uh, design design clients. And one of my clients became the British Academy of Songwriters, Composers, and Authors. Mm-hmm. So I was there, I was their finance person for, for a few years before before uh, you know eventually they said, "Will you will you come here full time?" Um, and that sort of developed out of there but I loved the campaigning side I really you know as soon as as I started working for that organization I was like oh this is I absolutely love love this I really love campaigning I had done lots of student union work when I when I was younger at at, at university Um, uh, you know I've just got a really strong sense of social social justice I think that's um, yeah probably being a a working working class uh, woman in the in the in the music industry as, as well so that sort of carried carried my my interest on and i started started doing um some diversity work at Basca, um some 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 work maybe about 10 years ago i did a, i did a master's and my my master's dissertation was looking at the the attitude of employers in the music industry towards equality and diversity, and that sort of kick, yeah, you know, kick-started kick my my interest there. So it sort of led me, step by step, it sort of led, led, led me in this direction. Of um, yeah, now I'm just, um, you know, 100, 100% focused on, on campaigning for, for for women in music. I'm really, I'm really very happy doing doing that. It's really, it's really what I want to be doing. that's just such a great story (laughs) it's It's a long it's a long story but to me it makes yeah it makes perfect sense and it also shows that you go on
0: sometimes
2: to do things that you never thought that you would be doing and just because you think you want to go in a certain direction you know you can take it in a completely different one and it ends up being
0: better
1: that's that's lovely
0: it's lovely I think it's really inspirational inspirational story so who who would you say is the most who has been the most inspirational person in your life either someone that you know or someone who you don't know but someone that's kind of been a guiding light to you I suppose
1: so I get well that would be uh, the, the person that springs to mind immediately is um, is the woman who who I view as my my best friend um so i met her i it well i did i did a c- couple of years um as a teenager living living in america uh with i lived with my my uncle nance and went to went to an american high school and i was having i was having great trouble fitting fitting in to an american high school uh in the 1980s you know and this was um i mean it was very much like um Walking into a Hollywood movie set, it was very, it was very strange, but um, I was, I certainly wasn't a uh, part of the the sort of the jocks set,
0: you yeah. know, the
1: American football and the cheerleaders and all of and all of that, you know, I was the, I don't know if you've seen any um, any of the 1980s movies um the breakfast club and pretty yeah. pink have you yeah, seen those yeah, movies yeah, I've seen those yeah which you know so that was like my, that was like my experience at high school Oh wow. <laughs> my god! so I was, I was one of the weird you know the weird gothy 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 kids um uh it, it, which i think they th- they thought was really strange because um it, it, when i first arrived they kind of all thought i should be related to royalty or, 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 or whatever <laughs> but, you know so I was having real, real, real trouble fitting, fitting in, and then um, I started a, a create writing class, and uh, there was a girl. Uh, I was in the class. A girl at the front of the class, and she read out a short, a short story that she had written about these two knights fighting, and it was this very detailed, you, you know, um, story about this. This very physical fight that was going on, and at the end, the the knight who uh, had won and uh, sort of took took off their helmet, and all of this long long red hair fell fell out of um, out of her helmet, and it was a woman who had beaten beaten this uh, this this male knight. So and I still remember, you know, I still remember that story that she that she wrote. So afterwards, I was like, I'm you know, I'm going to I'm going to go talk t- talk with this woman, and we became instant best friends and uh even though we we have spent many years not living even in the same country we you know we still we still connect up very very regularly um uh you know for all of all of the important occasions you yeah. know she's she's been to see me so often she lives in dubai now but we're still we're still she's still writing and is amazing at it and uh you know she's given me um so much confidence in my in my life she's really such an inspirational woman i remember you know she used to she used to post little little messages to to, to me um which we would now sort of call memes you yeah. know these positive positive inspirational message yeah messages such as the uh there's a nike advert where it's where, where it's sort of where it's sort of where it sort of talks about, uh, you know, all your life people will tell you no, they will tell you no a million a million ways until it becomes meaningless. You know, they will tell you that you're you're too short to play that, you're too fat to play that, you're too old to play that. They will tell you no, and you will tell them yes. You know, so she's she sent me she sent me that that um, that poem, thirty years ago. And I still I still read it and read it and 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 refer to it now. So idea. yeah, she's my she's my absolute, absolute inspiration, my best friend, Alison Williams. Hello, Alison. Hello,
0: Alison. <laughs> she sounds amazing. <laughs> she sounds like someone I I need to have as
1: a friend. <laughs> she did. De- she decided that she wanted to be a trapeze artist, so she set up her own circus company, and she ran she ran her own cir- circus company for twenty five years. <laughs> I mean, she is amazing. She's. Did- She's still teaching trape- trapeze, trapeze yeah. skills in um in Dubai, and you know, <laughs> and we're get, we're starting yeah, to get on a bit now. But she's still she, yeah, she's crazy. still she's still rocking it. That's so cool. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, she's cool.
0: Oh, I love I love stories like that. There's a circus. You don't know this about
2: me, Angela, I... but there's a circus trick that I really tried to get into once. Right? If, have you seen Devil Stick? No, what's Devil Sticks? Where you have like the two sticks, and then you have to like do these weird tricks with the another stick that sort of lies across them. Okay. Yeah, so I really tried to get into devil sticks at one point. I was pretty good. I'm going to have to show you now, Angela, because you don't you don't know that, do
0: you, about me? No. The old devil stick. No, I n- never knew that at all. I'm going to pull that trick out on stage one one time. <laughs> Please do. I think that'd be amazing. We put a little spotlight on you. I mean, I'm not very good. Um, I've got, I've got. High expectations of this now. Well, all
2: right then. Next next time I see you, which is
0: on Thursday, I'll bring them over. We can we can film it and put it on our Patreon site. Okay. So talking about um inspirational characters, I'm and listeners, please don't panic because I'm going last. so I know normally I talk for eternity. Uh, that's not going to be the case today. I'm going to keep it quite punchy. Um, but talking about inspirational characters, I wanted to talk a bit about St. Vincent who I'm sure we all know who that is, born um, Annie Clark, Ann Clark, Annie Clark, sorry, I can't even speak, <laughs> uh, in September 28th, 1982, and is known professionally as the um, artist St. Vincent. Um, she's an American singer-songwriter. She's basically a complete badass on guitar, and incredible at music production. She's an absolute legend and I adore her. I've watched so many videos of her talking about guitar pedals and all sorts of geeky stuff like that, um, which I won't bore you with those details today. Um, So I suppose you could describe her music as a kind of, you know, I think she started off in a more sort of um, more gentle indie approach has since evolved into this kind of electronically influenced kind of art rock artist. I suppose is how you could describe her. But I think she's just simply bloody brilliant. Um, so she began her career as a, a member of the Polyphonic Spree. She was in a few bands before that, as as we all were. But you know, I suppose the one of the the one of note that that people would have heard of Polyphonic Spree that had like fifteen thousand band members on stage. So they when they were starting out, they they never had an empty gig, right? They just filled it with their mums and dads and it sold out, right? You know they were actually a really, really great band. Um she's 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 played on various different records. She's got six albums under her belt, three Grammy Awards, and in fact she won her first Grammy Award in 2015 for her self-titled album St. Vincent and what you may not know is she was the first female artist to win Best Alternative Album in a 20-year period. There was that gap. Oh, I didn't know that. Between, you know, no other female had won that in, like, two decades, which is just crazy, crazy. Um, anyway, she's got an impressive list of awards, which I shall, I shall read some of them out, not the full list, because it's quite long. Um... I suppose you've already guessed. I'm I'm the, I'm stating my case for St. Vincent to be a headliner of a festival. Um, right here we go. She's been nominated for loads of stuff, but you know the important things. Um, the AIM Independent Music Awards. She was nominated for Love This Giant, and that was back in 2013. Cheerleader. She was nominated for Best Alternative Video, and that was at the U- UK Music Video Awards. That was back in 2012 um the same with the the video um cruel she was nominated for award for that then q awards sadly q magazine not not around anymore but she won um the maverick award and that was for herself then she won the best grammy award for best grammy award a Grammy Award for the Best Alternative Music album for St. Vincent, which I mentioned, she she won that and that was in 2015. She was nominated for Best Album and Best Solo Artist in the same year for the Enemy Awards. Um I mean the list the list goes on. She's won Best Female Artist in 2017. Um, again, um, she won um, in the Webby Awards Best Music Video for Los Angeles and Best Art Direction. She won that. She won um, a Grammy Award for Best Rock Song in 2019. Um, and that was for Mass Education. So a very, very recent one. And there are just a few um, awards being mentioned. Um, venue sizes that she plays. She's a huge artist. She's sold out places like Bri- Brixton Academy, um, she's done multiple nights and sold sold shows out like that she sold over um not sold over sorry what I'm saying here um she's got over 2 million monthly listeners alone on Spotify um I mean add it up across all of the other streaming services but if you look at some of the songs like New York a recent one 25 million streams for that Los Angeles 24 million streams and that's just a couple of things out of her her catalog of of music that's that's there and she's had pretty decent numbers across across everything her media profile is huge as as we know every, every publication tabloid magazine has written about um, St Vincent and i thought you know it's it's I, I could look up some quotes which i've got some some things here but then i thought a good a good way to to kind of really evaluate this is i'm not sure if you know this there's a review um aggregate site called um metacritic and it kind of scores artists it collates all of the reviews they've had and it kind of scores who's been written about the most and it looks at like positive sentiment and, and all of all of this stuff and um she has scored an average of 89 out of 100 um on that platform right that's globally for artists that's fucking huge right sorry excuse my language um and that's that's based on like independent reviews and it indicates kind of universal acclaim and then there's also um any decent music which collates sort of reviews and and of albums and, and gives them a kind of average score um and she she kind of got an 8.6 based on 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 this platform and this score makes her record part of the kind of all-time top 10 albums um for that for that platform um and it's a sh- like go go check these platforms out you may not have heard of them so it's like well angela that could be your your personal list and what does that mean go go and look at it and you'll understand what i mean by this but also you know the guardian awarded her album like a perfect five stars i said it was a straightforward triumphant uh, triumph even um can't speak uh she's she's had reviews glowing reviews and is often cited as probably one of the most influential artists of of our time and probably one of the greatest guitar um players of of her generation which you know any kind of geeky conference about guitar tech and anything like that St. vincent is always like top of the list of requests for her to come and talk and demo stuff and, and chat about how she makes her sound. She, she's someone who is a producer, not just a songwriter. She can play multiple instruments. She's mishmashed genres together, experimented all with pop tones running throughout. So it's not completely like obscure and off the wall. She kind of makes things that should be popular. And uh, so that's that's me I think you can tell I'm a I'm a fan.
2: Well I think you've presented a very convincing case there. And
0: yeah um, I I'd book her. I Booker I think you know and then when you look back actually and I won't for time's sake I won't go into this this list but I I kind of did comparisons of um two other artists who um have have headlined um Glastonbury for example. And I didn't have time to look into a lot more festivals. So Travis and Arctic Monkeys, and and at their time of their height, the sort of sizes of gigs they were playing, which is comparable to what St Vincent is doing, and the same with things like album sales and stuff like that. But yet those those people went, those bands who who are, they're great bands and they're worthy of being headliners too. They they kind of they've kind of got to headline those things and you could say it's because they're British bands but it's not just British bands that headline um, I mean how many times has Food Fighters headlined Um, you know those bands have headlined where St Vincent and maybe she has been invited to play and said nah can't be bothered with that um, but I certainly saw St Vincent play at Glastonbury on one of the smaller stages and she wasn't even headlining that at the time um, and this is not me attacking Glastonbury at all. I do love that festival. And I think they have um, they have actually moved things forward for, for artists in other ways, especially, you know, their emerging talent competition um, and, you know, the likes of She Drew the Gun that really launched her career where other festivals have just not done things like that. But I suppose what I'm saying is that I still feel that there is a long way to go with all of the festivals, Um with with kind of just thinking outside the box of who should be the headliners rather than going for the obvious choices and, and perhaps way too many heritage acts that, that kind of appear on festivals, you know, let's mix it up a bit. But yes, yeah, so I'll I'll stop I'll stop there on St Vincent really, but I, I suppose a few songs to kind of highlight if you aren't a fan of St. Vincent, um just because you've never listened to her, um or if, if you have, and I think you should listen to her again, here here are my top lucky seven songs. Basically, I was going to do three, but I just got carried away. And uh, and then I started listing way too many. So I narrowed it down to my favourite seven. Um, so New York is a great song, one of the more recent ones. Actor Out of Work, which is how I actually discovered St Vincent through um, a girl... At a festival on Blackheath Which was like a kind of Almost just like community festival Type thing happening And she was playing Actor Out of Work And I thought it was her song And I asked her I said that's a great song You should record that She was like well it's not mine And I was like oh okay And she said it's St Vincent And I was like oh yeah I kind of know that name And then I kind of got into St Vincent from there But Cruel is, is a fantastic song Amazing guitar hook with that and just check the music video out. It's like kind of 1950s housewife gets kind of almost sort of kidnapped and put into this world. And, uh, yeah, she ends up playing like a guitar solo in the boot of a car. It's a bit weird, but it's good. Birth in Reverse, the sequel, All My Stars Aligned, the Apocalypse Song, all fantastic. Lyrically, she's an absolute genius. There's there's beauty there. There's There's a darkness. It's cutting and political she's the one and only st vincent yes she is we she is. <laughs>
2: she she will head to the festival
0: <laughs> yeah so i suppose i think it's it's a great it's a great point to sort of end off and i'm going to um play a band but before i do that obviously we're going to say our to lose to to uh To everyone on the the podcast and all of our listeners and say thank you for for always tuning in for the past i think it's 23 weeks now this has been 24 weeks almost half a year and thank you to all of the the people that have come on the show as guests especially this week vic vic bain like thank you you're an absolute legend so I'm going to end off with some new music. It's by a band called Dead Pony and the song is Sharp Tongues and just a little bit about them. This this song came out on the 24th of July via Lab Records um, and I suppose you could describe Dead Pony as a kind of post-punk outfit um, and I sort of thought it was a really nice connection between them and St Vincent with the kind of experimental bits that they do but still with this kind of great lyrics, a darkness... But with this sort of pop tone running throughout, um, they're from Glasgow. Lots of great music coming out of Scotland um, at the moment. There probably always has been, right? But but since doing this podcast, I've kind of really noticed um, all of these these bands, and it's it just it seems like a really exciting scene up there. Um, anyway, the song is about those who are hell bent on spreading gossip and starting rumours and i suppose what i really love about it is is the grittiness of it it's got a really powerful riff that you'll hear that the song kicks off with um there's a kind of anger that drives the song along and again as i said there's these sort of pop tones that weave their way through the whole track and it's it's pretty it's pretty darn good stuff so uh so we'll we'll say good evening to everyone that's listening and this is dead pony with sharp tongues